Sportsypreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports, entrepreneurship, and now mental health collide, a Casource production. In this episode, I chat with Dan Soviero, founder and CEO of Signature Athletics. This is an introspective conversation where we take on topics like depression, youth sports, having sports taken away from you, the growth of lacrosse, and innovation in a sports business. At the core of this conversation is all about Dan's rallying cry. Sports have a power to change life for the better, and Dan is living proof. I'm privileged to have had this hour to talk with Dan about all that and much more. And with that, we welcome Dan Soviero. When I was doing some research, I saw that you were kicked out of high school twice. I was. What happened? I was raised religious. So I went to a Lutheran school and then a Christian school. And I just did not want to be there. I wanted to go to public school. And I took the decision into my own hands when I was in, I think, sixth grade. And then when my brother was a senior, I wanted to go back because they were going to win the state championship for football and lacrosse. And it was my last year to play with my brother. And it just seemed like it would be fun. And I lasted a year. And then at the end of the year, when he was graduating, I knew I was out. So we were watching some movie where like, or some show or some, maybe it was just something we were doing at the time. But every time we would win a championship game, we would all just like take off our pants (laughs) and just like run into the middle of the field. And it was just like a funny thing that we all did. And so I did a final and the teacher thought I was going to fail the final. It was a history final. And this guy and I, didn't get along too well. And at the end of it, I was the first one done. I knew I aced it. And I just put it on his desk, dropped my pants and walked out <laughs> and was ejected from the school yeah, shortly after. Yeah. I was say immediately. Yeah. yeah. The rebellious aspect of it, like that obviously I would imagine has a lot to do with your love of entrepreneurship. Like you're not working for somebody else with that type of mindset. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to think I matured a lot and now use it in a more positive way. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it definitely was not directed in a healthy way when I was younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you see that a lot, right? You hear about entrepreneurs that were involved in shady businesses or doing whatever they had to do to get by, right? Selling stuff back to the people they just stole it from, right? You hear all those crazy stories, but it's interesting when that stands out. And then yeah. You get into this time where sports were taken away from you for a year. Was that during this time of getting kicked out? Yeah. So what was unfortunate was when I was younger, when I was up until eighth grade, as every Florida boy dreams, I was going into the NFL, 100%, no doubt in my mind. Then I got into high school and I realized everybody caught up to me. I grew to like, I don't know, 5'8", probably like 180 when I was in eighth grade. So I was just way bigger than everybody. 
and I dominated every sport. And then when I got to high school, everybody was bigger than me again. So when I went to transfer back to the private school, it was a division 2A. So it's a lot smaller schools and smaller kids in general. And then I was at the public school, we were an 8A school. So a lot of the guys I played football against are currently in the league or ended up going into the league. A lot of the guys in the 2A league, the private school, they didn't end up going into the NFL. So when I was transferring back to the private school, the coaches at the other private schools nearby made a stink about it to the National Federation of High School Sports. And they ultimately decided that I was recruited and that wasn't allowed. And so I was not allowed to play sports, any sport for the entire year. Are you serious? I was just rereading an article because I saw that and you hear about COVID and you heard about all these kids, right? Not allowed to play their sport. And there was a kid in Michigan, he's a hockey player and it was taken away from him. And he had already suffered from anxiety and depression. And during this time off, something had happened and he committed suicide right? He couldn't take it anymore. Obviously, different circumstances here. But it's fascinating to me that there's people out there that are so worried about the wins and losses at this young age that they're willing to remove a kid off the field, off the ice, off the court for their own benefit, right? This wasn't about you, right? This was for somebody else. They didn't want you playing. I mean, I get it. There's rules are rules. Yeah. And recruiting, like I could tell you a story right now, like the number one high school recruit in the country for football quarterback just transferred back to a school he used to be at, at a local school here in Charlotte. And like, there's other kids, right? They're blatantly they're recruiting, but it's like normal. It's what they do. And obviously there's rules and restrictions and it's a good school and they do things the right way. But like, I don't know. It's fascinating to me, but like you were going to say something about that. I think it's a really good parallel to the way the world works. People aren't against you. That I don't believe that people were against me. I think just like you said, they were just in it for themselves and they just didn't consider the second and third order effects of it. And at the end of the day, that's going to happen your entire life. And if you learn to embrace that and have the perspective of uh, these people aren't attacking me, they're not coming after me. They're just doing what's in their best interest and what they think is the right thing. And Well, absolutely. It's very easy for us to think that someone's has it out for me, right? Why are they treating me this way? I've run into situations and sometimes I'll go there and I'm like, what are they doing? Like, why do they want me to go down so bad or whatever that is, right? And it could be something basic, right? But like somehow you've internalized it and then you realize, right? Like you're saying, it's not about you. It's about what they're trying to gain. And man, like you said, like what layers are there? And you mentioned deep depression. Was that a trigger for you at the time? Were you already dealing with stuff? Is that just something you say because you really felt bad about things in life? Or like, what was that? So I don't want to take anything away from the family that just went through that. I think that's something that I could never imagine. And my heart goes out to them. When it happened to me where I wasn't able to play sports for a year, I was already going down a rather bad path. And Sports were a good outlet for me. And when I wasn't allowed to play, I didn't have the mindset of people are just in it for themselves and they're not against me. I thought, you know, I just watched Friday Night Lights and it was like booby miles. Like they don't want me to play football anymore. And uh, (laughs) it was pretty funny. So 
looking back, it's funny, but at the time it was everything to me. So when it was taken away, I just doubled down on the things that were steering me in the wrong path and making poor decisions in general. My family has a history of depression. So it's something that we were made aware of at a, at a very young age. My grandmother ended up taking her own life. So it's something that's really personal and that's been reminded to me and my brother that we look out for in that side of the family. And when all this was happening, I think knowing that that existed in my DNA gave me almost, and I don't think this is true for everybody, but I think when I reflect on it, it almost gave me an excuse to fall into that path and then use that as the excuse for why I'm making all these bad decisions. In reality, I was choosing to make bad decisions. I could have chose not to do that and to make good decisions. So it ended up leading me down a path where I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And that led to some really bad depression. And when I asked myself why, like, why am I depressed? I have everything that anybody could ever want. I'm a good athlete. I have a lot of great friends. I'm doing well with the ladies, great parents. Like, why is this happening? And I could not figure it out for the life of me. And so one day I asked my dad and his response was incredible. He freaked out. It was not the response I was thinking I was going to get. He was questioning like, how selfish could I be when I have all these amazing people in my life that are doing all of this for me and helping me get to my goals and blah, blah, blah. And it was a real wake up call for me to stop thinking about myself as much and start being grateful for all that I have and all the people in my life and all the opportunities that I have. And it was really like a direction shifter for me. And it helped a lot. Were you seeing someone at this time or did you more take this upon yourself and you work through it in other ways? I started seeing a therapist when I was probably 13. I've seen them monthly ever since. I was probably off and on around this time in high school and when I was younger. I didn't want to be like having to go to a therapist, you know, the right. stigma around it. Sure. Once I got to college, actually, once I started the business, I have religiously gone monthly. And shout out to Sue Firth. She's my therapist right now. And she is incredible. The best, I think, in the world. And now a ton of my friends who are entrepreneurs go to her. She's in London, England. It's cool how it's evolved in my life because I've probably gone through six different therapists just in the last five years. But when I was younger, I was really, I didn't really open up. I didn't really know how to use them the right way. I didn't know how to evaluate are they a good therapist? Are they not a good therapist? Now it's like a hiring process. Like I put them through my, our normal company hiring process because I'm looking at this person for really important advice on the most important thing, like my mindset. So sure. Yeah, that's important. Like when you can have that ability to get past that stigma to open up and to have someone to talk to, because I'm sure like, right, you're talking about at that time where you're playing sports and, and a lot of these sports are like, we don't talk about those things, right? And you hear about it. It's now being talked about a lot. But in the locker room, it's like, everyone's busting each other's balls. Like you, you better be strong. And if you're not like, they're going to expose weaknesses, right? And they talk about it. you see NBA players like back in the 80s and 90s, like you couldn't show weakness, but you didn't realize how many players were actually going through this stuff. 
And now it's becoming more of a topic and, and no different than the, the roller coaster ride that's entrepreneurship and family and just everything else that's going on. So credit to you and your family for recognizing this and doing something about it. What else do you do? And I heard you read. You're very grateful, right? You're, you're recognizing that it's like almost even going back to what you were talking about before where like, are people after you? That's you making it about yourself or me making it about myself or as opposed to spouse, family, your business, employees, kids, friends, whatever, like you can find something in there, like your dad saying that it's bigger than you. Like, I remember having kids for the first time and you realize like your problems don't matter as much as your kids. Like your problem was like, you better be there and be there for them and all those things. But like, if your kid wakes up at three in the morning, like if you're worried about something tomorrow, like that is irrelevant to everything right now. It's making sure your kid's okay, right? Yeah. And whatever else that might be, it's your spouse and whatever. But that seems to be like, that's what you did and finding that. But it's, you can say that until you're blue in the face, but like, can you live it? Can you be there for whatever those moments are? And it's like you said, it's up and down because you're still going through stuff on a daily basis that's going to try to pull you back in and right? Like you're going to trip and fall and man, you got to deal with it then. Yeah, definitely. We just took our whole team through a course called Positive Intelligence. And it's all about just like the art of meditation and how you can use that to get into a higher level of thinking, even when you're stressed and you're maybe being more reactive. And I think when it comes to stuff like this, you really have to be in that higher level of thinking to show up that way. If you're in a reactive state, it's going to be really hard to not go back to the easy response, which is like, why are they after me? Yeah. Yeah. It's changing those habits too and like how you deal with this stuff, right? So it starts at, you already mentioned youth sports. It starts at a young age, right? You're out there dominating and you could have the kid, the parents, the coaches, right? This is the next superstar. This kid's going to the NFL. This kid's going playing professional. They're going to go D1, whatever that might be. You're obviously involved with youth sports today. You're trying to make the game better. I see you talking like you've trained kids before lacrosse and you're watching these kids grow up and you're not just working with them on lacrosse, which I thought was cool. It's like, you're just talking to them like, how's it going in school? What's your favorite class? Like what teams you like, whatever. Like you're just having real conversations. And that's, again, that's the same thing of, it's not about you in that moment. It's about the kid and you're truly doing that. But like, I got three kids and I've been on the field. I've played you sports, right? I watch you sports. I watch the coaches I've coached and it's not all bad. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. And I love it. And I'm so there for it. And I love watching my kids participate and I love helping them out, whatever that might be. But there's some bad shit going on in youth sports. And like, I see it constantly, whether it's from the parents or the coaches or whatever, right? You see it, but there's a lot of positive, like, and I'm saying that too. So it's both sides of it. What are you seeing right now in youth sports? And maybe you can talk about it as relates to lacrosse, because that's where you're focused in on. But I'm sure you've been on the fields, right? And see it all. What are you seeing? And what are you all doing? Take that any direction that you want to go with it. Yeah, something we talk about internally at Signature, and we onboard every single person that comes into the company into this framework of thinking. And it's control what you can control. And we have a process where you, you draw a little circle and then a big circle around it. And then you put all the things you can control in the little circle and all the things you can't control that are on your mind in the big circle. And we got it from somewhere. I, I can't take credit for it. But it is incredible to just 
take that framework and that approach to anything you're tackling. So to answer your question, I was fortunate to have a coach, a guy named Andrew Bolger, who, who still coaches to today. And his challenge for me when I was first starting to coach, which was now, I don't know, 10 years ago, probably, was how can you do one thing better than your favorite coach that you ever had every time you walk on the field? And I get goosebumps just saying it because it's such a powerful question to ask yourself before you walk out on the field. And regardless of the day that you just had, regardless of whatever's on your mind, how do you ask yourself that question and then go and show up that way? And if you do that and you lead by example, other people will follow, other coaches will follow, other parents will follow. And I think a lot of times there's a stigma around like there's three really big pieces of the puzzle and it's really people. It's the refs. Everybody hates the refs always. <laughs> yeah. And what they don't realize is the refs in youth sports, most of them never played the sport that they're officiating. So by yelling at them, they're not going to remember the rules better. And they're actually probably going to quit refing that sport which means you're going to get an even newer ref that doesn't know even more of the rules. And it's just like a vicious circle. So we always try to encourage the parents at the beginning of the season and throughout the season. And anytime something happens, it's just like, that's not how we want to operate as a program. We'll go to the sidelines and have the conversation with the parents and just explain like, if these refs aren't here next year, you're going to get refs that know even less. and that's not going to be good. So that's the first thing that I think is controllable just through education and just understanding like what outcome these parents are after and then trying to help them get there by them just knowing how the back end of like refs learning the sport works. And then the second is the parents. I think the parents are so misunderstood on the sidelines. And even when they're yelling at the refs or they're yelling at the other teams or they're saying something that I don't know, they shouldn't be saying. It's just that they're super passionate about their kid. They just need to be coached on how to direct that passion in a positive way. And if they know how to do that, then nine times out of 10, they're going to show up and be like the best parent on the sideline. So just really encouraging them from the beginning of the season and throughout the season that if you're going to say anything, it's got to be positive whether it's about the other team, your son, your daughter, the refs, the coaches, whatever it is, scream it as loud as you can, but it's got to be positive. So it's great ground ball or great pass or great goal. It's not kill him. It's <laughs> nice play. Right, right. And just leading by example for the kids and really being a good sport from the sideline, and but knowing how to do that. And I don't think that a lot of parents ever get coached on that. and. I think that's an opportunity that we can control. And then the third is the coaches. I think there's a lot of coaches that are genuinely out there because they want to give back. And some of them just don't know how to because coaching is a lot like management and management is really hard. And now try managing a team of kids. Like <laughs> it's even harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now throw in the parents screaming on the sidelines and the refs not really knowing the rules all the way sometimes. And it's like, these are all things that we can control in the way we can control them. But 
when we're actually there on game day or at practice, we can't control those things. And we have to focus on the kids and we have to do it in a way that teaches them the values that we want them to learn through sports. It's not just about winning and losing. I love winning. I really love winning. I would say I equally love losing because you learn something every single time. And it's a humility check. It brings you back down to earth. It helps ground you and it makes winning much more fun when you get there. So that's kind of what I'm seeing and how we're approaching the game. And coaching is something that I've done for the last 10 years. It's a hobby of mine. I do it for free. I just love doing it. And some of the kids that I coached 10 years ago, I still have relationships with. I was just with one of them a couple of days ago. I'm not coaching him anymore, but we still just will go out and get breakfast or get lunch and just talk about where his life is headed and how I can help steer him in the right direction. It's brilliant because you don't see that. You don't see the parents getting coached, understanding. I've seen it before. It's that one league, and it's a youth basketball league, and they're very young, and it's in a gym, and the gym has a tendency to get very loud, right? And he's encouraging the excitement. Let's make this place loud, right? He's asking for that but in a positive way, just like you said. You wouldn't cross him, right? Like no one's crossing him. But I've seen people get escorted out of the gym the second they go in a different direction because that is toxic. And then all you need is one and then two and then it's 10. And next thing you know, it's like everyone's yelling back and forth. It's a very positive environment. You want these kids to show back up. I've seen kids not want to play because the parents are yelling. And like the refs, like we can go watch NFL was just on like, there's a ton of bad calls this weekend. It happens. That's the NFL. I'll look at my son who's on the side. I'm like, do you think that these refs, like they struggle at the professional level when there's millions or billions of dollars on the line? What do you think is going to happen out here? Now, does it make it like, oh, that's not right. I get it. And maybe there's a better way to train the refs and all that kind of stuff. But like, what are the expectations here that they're going to get every call right? I mean, You've seen their ref where maybe they're out of shape and they don't leave the midfield and they can't get to one end. It's just like, you know, come let's go out here and have fun. But to have that mindset that you have to, we could only do what we can control. So if we can coach our parents, I can't guarantee what's going to happen on the other side of the field with the other parents because I can't control that. But I can control our parents and our kids and how we feel about the things that are going to happen. Like I said, it's brilliant. You don't see it enough. And hopefully conversations like this, someone hears it and like, you know what? I could do a better job. The other thing I've heard is talk to this group, modern day GK and their goalkeeping trainers for soccer. And they give the advice, put your AirPods in, go listen to something. If you have nothing positive to say, just say nothing, right? Like we've all been told that before. Go sit in the corner, enjoy the game. It's a beautiful day outside. Watch the game. Don't say anything if you don't have to. And then maybe you learn to eventually say something positive. You block that trigger from happening of always showing up to the field and giving the refs the business, right? Or yelling at your kid or whatever that might be. But like doing what you can control. You can control sitting in the corner and off the side and putting your headphones in, listening to some music or a podcast like this, right? So I think there's, there's a lot there. Yeah. And if you're in that place, I would highly encourage you to get a therapist and right. do some self-reflection. Because, Absolutely. Uh, being a part of your kid's journey in sports is such a cool experience. I don't have kids yet, but I can only imagine. And to have to miss that because you don't show up the right way. I don't know that people are self-reflective enough if they're not showing up the right way to put on headphones and go sit in right. the corner. I mean, those are the type of people that aren't, you know? You'd have to have that self-reflection in order to even be aware that you're doing it. 
like, you know what? People are going to say something. Maybe something really bad happened and you had to say something, like, whatever. It got out. Okay. You can catch yourself at that time. If you said, if you think about it, if you talk, if you write it out and journal about it and be like, why did I say that? Whatever you come up with. Cause like, then you're aware of it. And maybe you won't do it again. But like to your point, that takes that individual to be reflective, to be aware, to then not do it again. And it's very difficult to do <laughs> without it question. Is. And because you're like, you're it's saying hard. it is hard. And it's to be there and to just be a part of it because it's not about you. It's not about the parents. It's not. I think being supportive is amazing. Being there for them, helping them out, advocating for them in a way that's not like, my kid's not getting any playing time, coach. Why is that heavy? Like, that's a different kind. But you can advocate for them, right? There's positive ways to do that. Yeah. But it is hard. Yeah. And I think it comes back to like, what do you really want to get out of sports? Because I think it's different for everyone. My wife runs the program that I coach in. And so one of the things that I think she does a brilliant job of is she has the core values listed out. She has the mission of the program. She has the parents sign a contract at the beginning of every season. The players sign a contract. The coaches sign a contract. And the contract is agreeing to represent the core values of the program and to help instill them in everybody we come in contact with. And it's not a religious thing. It's a, we want to build good people and we want more good people in the world. And we think sports is the vehicle that can help us do that. Yeah. You said sports have the power to change life for the better. It says it on your website, Signature Lacrosse, Signature Athletics. Sports have a power to change life for the better. I mean, that's a great line. I love it. Because sports does have it. Sports could have a way of like totally... I'm from Buffalo, New York, right? So we're big Bills fans and all that. It's a tough loss, right? And you see it because there's a psychology of the sports fan, right? So sports is whether you're playing it, engaging it, following it, a parent of a kid that plays sports, you're a fan of the Bills, you're a fan of the Patriots, whatever that might be. People struggle with it. Like that's on the fan side of it, but even players, right? And it can lead to some bad things, no doubt about it. When you go through it over and over again. But there is the power of like, I said this, and it's one of the like, we have this article called Sports Bring People Together. And I used a couple different aspects of that and how to compare it, whether it's the city coming together, right? Whether it's kids going to the fields to play lacrosse, whether you're going to go to the park and play basketball or whether you travel right together. And I remember going with my son and meeting my parents at Ohio State to go to a game and they're playing Rutgers, like, and they won like 70 to zero, whatever it was. But it was like, that game brought us together for that weekend. And that was, that was cool. And then there's just so many aspects around it. So I agree with it. And a lot of times people don't like sports for those reasons. But then we talk about these stories of like, when you have sports taken away from you, in whatever capacity that might have been, man, like that's tough. That's something tough to deal with. Like running around and playing, like that's not bad. And yeah, like what's your ultimate goal? Not everyone can be the best. Like I've seen it. I've heard the stories of like the kid shows up on the ice and like, oh, there's the next Connor McDavid. And you're like, maybe that'd be awesome. But like, what are the odds of that? You know, it's like you do a podcast, like you're yeah. gonna right, <laughs> you're gonna be the next Joe Rogan. I'm for all for it. Next best singer, Taylor Swift, like whatever that might be. Yeah, it's hard work to get there. Like hear their stories of like how many times Taylor Swift was turned down. Anyway, sports having the power to change life for the better. Talk about that. Like, you know, everything that I just said. Yeah. So, I mean, it came from just me really reflecting on 
what is the vision of the company and what is the mission of the company and why? And what I landed on was really sports changed my life. I was not a good kid. I was struggling with the depression and making bad choices and was asked to leave from two schools before I graduated high school. And can I ask you something real quick? Did you have good grades? No. Okay. I did not. Okay. The traditional school system wasn't a good fit for me for a lot of reasons. I think it's pretty traditional for a lot of entrepreneurs to not fit well in there. I have really bad ADHD. I wouldn't say bad. I mean, I have ADHD to the fullest extent you can have it. And it's a superpower if you use it in the right way. I'm deaf in my left ear. I am dyslexic. Busy work doesn't work for me. I want to be stimulated. I want to ask like really challenging questions. I want to critically think. So I think there are now different types of schools that are starting to show up. The one that Elon Musk is doing, it sounds incredible. I want to go there just <laughs> at this age. So you're talking about the synthesis school? Yeah, it's yeah. a really, really cool concept. And I think the more that we can shift like the traditional schooling system and offer other avenues, the better we're going to be for the world. So back to your question. Yeah, so founded on the belief that sports have the power to change lives for the better. That is the first half of our vision statement. And yeah, it's so true. But sports really do have the power to change lives. And if we can help cultivate that through making really like world-class equipment and apparel and having messaging inside of that those products and in those client journeys that really helps promote that championship mindset and really just the concept of getting better every single day in all aspects of your life. If you can do that, you're going to have a hell of a life. It's going to be incredible. And sports can teach you all of that. And it's on the coaches, the program directors, the parents to really build that into the development model that you're going to use every season or every time you walk out on the field. And I think the first part of it that we talk about with our U8 and U10 groups under 10 years old, under eight years old, is anybody who's coaching that age group, any parent who's involved, the goal is to just show them how and what it looks like to be passionate about something. And it it could be this sport. It could not be. It could just be working hard. It could be pushing yourself. It could be being a great teammate. But there is something, some aspect of sports that every kid can fall in love with and be passionate about. And there's so many people who go through their entire life and you can see it on their face. They've never actually been passionate about something in their entire life. And that just is such a painful thing to think about. And it makes you want to just go like, give those people a freaking hug. Because life is worth living when you're living it passionately and when you're chasing your dreams and your goals. And to teach kids that, I think, is a really powerful thing. Yeah. It's hard too, because if you are passionate about something and it doesn't go exactly the way you want it or you lose the game or whatever that, even if it's not sports, right? When you go all in, you risk losing something. But that's like, that's why you go for it. I wouldn't say you risk losing something as much as you risk learning something. And if you can teach that, like at first it's, yeah, I lost and it sucks. And it's the worst feeling in the entire world. 
but it shouldn't be. And if you can teach like win like a champion, lose like a champion, that's what we talk about all the time. And we've lost championship games by one goal because the ref made a bad call. And our kids, I mean, it was probably one of the proudest moments that I ever had as a coach because our kids didn't go and complain about the refs or the team was older than us or they had kids that that were twice my size or whatever it was. Our kids came together and they were like, man, I can't wait to play them next tournament. And it was like, what a cool group of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back up. Now, I like the way you said that better for sure. And that's right. Because when you say lose, there's someone you said this before, like that you like losing. Well, maybe on the front end, like when that first happens, you don't. But when you can realize like, this is a way to that next step, like this is how I get there. Like, and I'm sure looking back, the challenges you faced of getting kicked out of school, having sports taken away from you, you just mentioned two more things, right? Deaf in your left ear, dyslexic, like you have a lot of excuses and you could use those and say, oh man, it's just not going to work out for me because there's just too many challenges, too many obstacles to overcome. Like, when did you know that you were deaf in your left ear, for example? Like, yeah, my brother hit me in the ear with a firework when I was like 12 or 11. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was just like a freak accident. And we tried to hide it from my mom for a couple of days and I just like could not hear. And finally, we were like, hey, I think we need to go to the hospital or do something. And when I ended up going, I got an x ray and they found a tumor in my head. And it had eaten away my entire inner ear and it was at my cranium and it was starting to eat through my cranium. And if it had gotten to my brain, I'd be a vegetable. So now my brother reminds me every time we're together to thank him for saving my life by hitting me in the ear with a firework, which is pretty funny. But yeah, everything happens for a reason, I think. And a lot of people have a lot more excuses. A lot of people have a lot less excuses. But at the end of the day, how do you turn those excuses or reasons why you can't into like the reasons why you can and into superpowers? And I think being deaf in my left ear, I can fall asleep anywhere. And yeah. if I don't want to talk to the person, I just put them on my left side and yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to. So, Man. and then being dyslexic, I, I don't know how that's turned into a superpower taking your time more to read and like you just have to work harder at it. I mean, there's those types of things. Perseverance. Yeah. And like word spell check pretty much solved like being decisive. <laughs> right, so it's right. Like, Technology worked, really right? That, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember I was a pretty good speller in school and it's like, then you look at it and I know people who are terrible spellers, but it like almost doesn't matter. Like I get it. It's the way the brain works. And here's the other thing. You don't know who you're talking to. Like we could have talked. I could have just met you. We could have had a cool conversation. And then all of a sudden, there's all these other layers there of things that even when you say you're deaf and you're left ear, and then to tell the story of the firework, like I think back or I think about like a lot of the stuff that I content I create, podcast conversations I have. And in a way, I know if like an article or a podcast or whatever that video or a social media post is worth like worth something, is if it's like, could my son or could my daughters listen to this at some point? And could they take something from it? And I say it, I think I'm starting to say it a lot more because it's really true. And it's like, it's like hit me to like, my son, I say my son, male, right? The stories, some of the examples that you give relate maybe to him. He's got to hear this. And I think those conversations that I have here, it's like, and he's got to listen on his own time. Like dad's sitting down, you got to listen to this. Yeah, Yeah, when when, on his terms. And 
that matters. And that's why these conversations matter. And it's like, well, how many people listen to your podcast? It's like, and is that what it's about? And I'm not saying that's a bad metric. There's other metrics like that. Like put the ROI on that. I have no idea. On impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. That's an awesome framework to measure performance or success in this bucket of your life. I think that's one of the things that has become a lot clearer over time is there's the traditional, like you play a game and you won or you lost. Then there's like the deeper level of, all right, you played a game and you won. How many goals did you have? How many assists did you have? Which are like vanity metrics almost. And then it's like, all right, you won the game, you had a lot of goals, you had a lot of assists, but how many turnovers did you have? And what was your plus minus for the team? And then you take it even a layer deeper and, okay, you won by more than five goals. How many of the guys that are lower on the depth chart did you empower to take an opportunity and go out and build some confidence or get better in a game situation? And you could measure success on all of those different metrics, quantitative, qualitative, but which ones really are you after? What's your goal? And what's your goal for the season? What's your goal for the game? And you can have multiple goals, but really thinking of what you're trying to accomplish and what the purpose is before you go and tackle something, I think it really helps you stay focused on the right outcome. Yeah. I can see uh, parents being excited when you show up to coach their kids after they've given you a chance, right? Like that's the type of stuff like, yeah, you coach my son. The game of lacrosse is growing significant. It has been growing and you're right in the middle of it and what you're building is pretty awesome and you're going to grow with it. Where do you see the game going? Like there's the four major sports, there's different sports and you got some big time entrepreneurs. Maybe it's an affluent sport. So you're going to have a lot of money poured into this sport. Like where do you see the game of lacrosse from here? So our company is Signature Athletics. We started as Signature Lacrosse and we do have lacrosse specific equipment lines that have done really well and have helped kind of grow the sport in different ways. And then Signature Athletics, the parent company is a tech enabled sports apparel brand. And we're really starting to look at this year, we'll scale into our next sport. Next year, we'll be in two additional sports. So we're really looking at expansion much past just lacrosse. We'll always stay true to our roots and always be a big part of the lacrosse community. Where I see the direction of the sport, I think there's a ton of opportunity to get more players involved from different backgrounds. I don't think it needs to be a sport that's really affluent. I think it's started out. It didn't even start out that way. I mean, it started as an indigenous game. So it became kind of commercialized that way through its life cycle. But I think the sport is at a a really good point to start broadening who plays the sport and I think we could be a big part of that. I think there's a lot of groups out there that are trying to to start that momentum. But we run programs like the Grow the Game grant program. We're giving $1,000 grants to youth programs across the country to help grow the game. We'll be launching the Signature Scholarship Fund this year. We'll be partnering with a group like Boys and Girls Club or somebody like that. And then scholarshipping kids from more marginalized backgrounds that want to try the sport. and we'll cover their registration fee, their uniform, their equipment, and then actually 
partner the Boys and Girls Club with one of the hundreds of programs that we're partnered with to coordinate like the transportation and everything. So I think when we start to see different groups of kids playing the sport and they're going back and they're talking to their friends and their communities and saying like, Hey, this is an opportunity. Like it's a fun sport. I know I fell in love with it and I was a football guy through and through. I played basketball, soccer, wrestled, everything. And when I started playing lacrosse, it was like, wow, this is a game that is really unique. It's incredibly strategic. It can be very physical, but it doesn't have to be. And there's a ton of finesse and a ton of like hand eye and just like incredible plays that the athleticism is just incredible. Yeah. So what other sports are you working on now and where are you expanding to that you referenced? So this year we'll expand into field hockey in April, May. We'll launch the Signature Athletics apparel line, a super premium high-end apparel line that we've been working on for over a year. I'm really excited about that. And then we'll launch into field hockey in May and then soccer and basketball in 2023. And then we'll be in all sports by 2024. So that's the roadmap for the company. You had mentioned this guiding North Star in an interview I heard you did. And you referenced your dad and you'd referenced this along the way. And you've talked about these aims that you have, like you just did there and sports having the power to change life for the better. Like these are some grand aims and directions that you're going. That's obviously guiding you in all that you do, right? I hear it in a lot of the different things that you're saying. Even when you talk to the kids, like, what's your aim? What's your goal for the season? Yeah. Like bringing it down to a small, like to the one player on the team, but how impactful that is. Was that from your dad when you started like seeing that and you reference even in the passion, when you have that passion, like, I just want to be a part of this every day and just be a part of it down the road too. So I'm just, I aim to do these things. Like where'd that come from? Was, did you read the book, the North star? Like, (laughs) no, you know, (laughs) the North star thing is something I have talked about a, a little bit, but I was very lucky to have a really great dad and he spent a lot of time with me and he wasn't a very religious man, but he would always say a prayer that me and my brother would have a positive impact on the world. And that's always been a real guiding North star for me. And so goal setting and how I got into that, it was actually, now that I think about it, it was part of the depression that I had actually, which is pretty crazy to think about. But one of my goals when I was younger, I've always been a very goal-oriented person. And one of my goals when I was younger was to be an All-American lacrosse player or to be an All-American, I think in any sport was really the goal. And then as I started to progress, it was like, all right, lacrosse is the one I can do it in. And so when I became an All-American after the season that I wasn't allowed to play, the very next season, my junior year, I became an All-American. And as soon as I achieved that, I just fell right back into this like massive depression again. And I didn't realize why. I was like, I just beat this. Like I have all these great things. Now I have this wonderful girlfriend at the time. And why is this happening? And it was because I had set a means goal. I had set a goal that once I hit it, I didn't have another goal. So I didn't really have something I was working towards. I wasn't getting better every single day. I wasn't doing the things that make your life fulfilling and worth living and and exciting. So being grateful is a big part of it. I also think that one of the keys to really being 
happy and fulfilled in life is constantly trying to get better. And it is really that growth mindset and working towards something. So what, when that happened, I really learned, okay, I need to set goals and more of a vision for my life for what I'm trying to accomplish than just goals and then cascade that vision down to goals that I can realistically hit along the way, then life becomes a great game and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You see that with business owners, they build this business, it's their life, their livelihood, all that, and then they sell the business. Now what? An athlete, right? Yeah. The athlete has an incredible career, win games, lose games, championships, whatever, this amazing experience. And then it ends either on their terms, but usually not on someone else's terms. Now what? I've heard that. They tear their hamstring on the field on a special team's play. They know it's over. Now what? And there's more to it, right? And you're impacting that not only for yourself, your family, your business, the people that are around you, but also in like what other players can do. Maybe you don't go professional, right? Maybe you can build this thing out and have something more than just this career of being an All-American or playing in professionals. That is an important way to look at it because I think we're seeing a lot of athletes not actually have the what's going to happen when I'm done playing, even though every single one of them somewhere deep down knows they won't play the rest of their lives. Yeah. Maybe they become a coach. Maybe they stay in the sport. Maybe they become in the broadcast media, right? That's awesome. But like, there is that platform and there is those people out there that can help you think through like, what now? What am I going to do when this thing's over? And even better, there's people out there doing it. I mean, there's athletes now starting podcasts, buying real estate, right? To get into the apparel industry. Like, who knows what investing, that is? Investing, yeah, yeah. Investing, yeah. 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 Something everybody should really think about is what impact do they want to leave on the world and really use that as the guiding North Star and then work towards it and set goals. And when you hit them, you'll have other goals because you can never really achieve a vision. It's something that you're always just working towards. Yeah. Dan, this has been great. I got lists of stuff I could keep talking to you about. I'm gonna, you're obviously growing fast. So come back on, please. And we'll talk again, see what you're up to. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have a different kind of conversation. But a lot of things to talk about. I do appreciate your time. I know you're busy. But thank you, man. This was great. Thanks so much, Eric. Absolutely. Where I think LinkedIn's probably your you're spending the most time. LinkedIn. Yeah. For me personally, LinkedIn, Dan Soviero. And then if you want to check us out online, signaturelacrosse.com and on social media at Signature Lacrosse. Great conversation, man. Dan, great to meet you. Talk soon. Thanks, Eric. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sportsypreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sportsypreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. 